is the Dogcast episode number 359. Dogs taking on the Troy Trojans this week. A big noon kickoff on Saturday. We've got a special report tonight from our intern, Brazelton Dog. I'll break down the Troy game and me and Old Dog talk about what we need to see this weekend. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 359. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm feeling better, old dog. We got that South Carolina thing out of our system. And listen, I want to lead with a little bit of an apology, by the way. So, you know, we did the South Carolina post-game show, and we had a ton, a metric ton, as my friend Eric Ely likes to say. We had a metric ton of phone calls after that game. And I didn't play any of them. I listened to all of them, but I didn't put any of them on the show. And I just want to apologize. I don't want you guys to think I don't value your calls. But there are days, specifically when we lose to South Carolina, when honestly, I just don't even, I just don't feel like it. I didn't even feel like doing the show, much less did I feel like editing and working on all those phone calls. So I'm just calling myself out, much like Jeremy Pruitt. I'm calling myself out, old dog. You know, I just, I just, I just didn't get the job done, man. But I want well, you to know it, what happened. It's always good when someone actually owns up to messing up, wears wears it like a badge of courage, and takes it like a man. I'm owning just, it. Just, just, just move forward and do better. But you know, let's move on. Here we are. It's it's Georgia against Troy. Uh, big time. Very big very, very, takeoff. Uh, very prestigious. I mean, we are. Starting off the SEC Network's lineup this coming Saturday of one great SEC football game after another, and we have been chosen from all the teams that they could have to kick it off at noon. What an honor that is. Absolutely. And, That's big time. And back-to-back, ESPN has chosen us next week to do the same on the mothership. Again, another prestigious noon kickoff. Prestigious. It, it could not get any better than that because nothing says your team matters like kicking off at noon. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you, you know, I'm going to be in California. I mean, this is this is the same damn time that like the service academies kick off. I'm going to be in Southern California for the Tennessee game, and those poor bastards have to roll out of bed. And start, I don't know when they have to start drinking. They have to be game ready at 9 a.m. when we do a noon kickoff. I, I know my buddy Walter, back when he lived in San Diego, said the beer drinking started about 7. About 7. About 7, seven in the morning. 
So we got a big noon kickoff with the Troy Trojans, and I'll tell you, old dog, it is not the Troy Trojans of yesterday. No, it, it's not your father's Troy, that's it, for sure. It's not your father's Troy. These are not the men of Troy. I remember, old dog, when we used to kind of mildly be worried about Troy, you know? Kind of like the way Florida worries about Georgia Southern. Yes, you could jump up. Troy could jump up and bite you back in the day. And I, I speculate that when we scheduled this game, which was, you know, probably during the freaking Damon Evans era, they were probably a more formidable team. However, this year they are not formidable. They are 0 and 3, and they've lost to uh, they lost to three, Duke, three bear school for the blonde. They lost to Abilene Christian, which is like not even as good as Wofford. I mean, like not even as big as Wofford or Charleston Southern. I mean, hell, Abilene Christian. So you know, let's get let's dispense with the keys to victory. Okay, let's talk about what's going to happen in this game, what we're looking for, what we need to happen in this game. Well, we need to. I mean, all kidding aside, this we need to treat this week kind of like a scrimmage. A full speed scrimmage. It probably is not, you're not going up as good an athlete as you do if we just had our number one go against our number one, but we're actually going to go full speed. And let's take the time, hopefully correct the problems that we've got. Well, it, I can't say correct. Hopefully work on and improve the problems we've got in our defensive backfield, less work with. Hopefully these guys will want to throw a lot of short passes over the middle, and maybe we can actually get our linebackers in position to defend those things and not bite on every play action that they see. Uh, and it's a good chance for the offensive line to gel a little bit more. Uh, let's get Brandon Douglas in there. Let's get him over 120 yards. Let's rest Let's rest Gurley. I mean, let's give him the day off. Sure. You know, I mean, well, he, he's got a Heisman he, run. I know. He needs to get a, a couple of touchdowns and some yards. He needs to have about four or five runs at about 50 yards a pop. As soon and as he hits 200 after, you know, maybe a quarter and a half. Gear it just, down. Just set, just set him down. Gear it down. Um, I hear you. I don't think we, you know, I know they're speculating on whether Chubb's going to play or not. Uh, ain't no reason to play him. The man just has two fresh screws in his thumb, and we're probably going to need him later on. Sure don't need him this week. This would be. Uh, I know there's been some speculation. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, there's been a lot of speculation. Boy, this is going to be a big breakout week for Keith Marshall. You know, yeah. Oh, we're going to get a lot of Keith Marshall. I actually don't think that's going to happen, but it's not yeah, a bad idea. Well, you know, I mean, and really, who cares? I mean, that's coming from the same people that told us how good a defensive back J.J. Green was going to be, you know, out of the block. Oh. And that's and that's not to say J.J. Green's not going to be a great defensive back. I hope he is. But, you know, these guys know as much as we do and probably a lot less. Probably. And they just, and they just say it a lot more. You know, I'm, I'm going to say we're going to see a lot of Brandon Douglas. There you go. And this we'll see what be, happens. This is going to be the time for Brandon Douglas to go. You know, I will say this. I was talking to uh, Mark Weiser the other day, beat writer for uh, Bulldog Football, and he was talking about Jeremy Pruitt. Now, 
I don't know where you're at on Jeremy Pruitt right now, but I'm I mean, still on the bandwagon. You gotta, man. I'm telling you what. Whether you like him or not, believe in him or not, you have to admit it is a completely different tune. It is so different and so refreshing to see a guy, hell, in all of American society, let's be honest for a second here, taking personal responsibility for deficiencies and errors. You know, Mark said that he made more admissions of guilt and more apologies and more personal responsibility statements in 15 minutes during his press uh, conference the other day than Grantham made in all of four years, you know? He said several things, old dog, and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on it. He said there were about 10 to 15 plays in the South Carolina game where the defense did not even have a chance. And the reason they didn't have a chance to make a play was because he called the wrong defense. He had them in the wrong setup, and it was completely his fault for their their setup, you know, the, the scheme problem. And he, he simultaneously gave a ton of credit to Spurrier for basically schooling his ass old school style, you know. He further went on to say that he was embarrassed to be a part of a defense or a team, or be a part of a team that gives up 35 points, period. It's personally embarrassing to him. But well, then and that was, and of all the things he said, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's but yes, okay. I did. That was the part that I liked the best because because you and I, I I've been embarrassed myself, and I'm glad to finally hear a coach say that he was embarrassed about it. That you know that he he's embarrassed and obviously feels he did not do his job when in offense when when your team's offense scores 35 points and you lose the ball game. Right, 35 points and has 450 yards and you lose the ball game. Yeah, because right. I mean, you, you know, and I have been last... talking for years about how, Coach, you know, there are a lot of coaches. I, I'm not going to name any names, but when we lose, you get this thing of, well, you know, we're going to work hard and we're going to learn from it and we're going to double down and we're going to try hard. And that's that's all they say. And Pruitt came out and said, this sucked. I sucked. We sucked. We're going to do better, you know. And and that was good to hear. Now, along those lines, I think he has probably taken a little more heat and putting it on himself and protecting his players. I don't think that he had 15 plays where he had the wrong defense call. Well, I, I think, think South Carolina is, ran 900 plays, so 15 is well, really I, not I, that I, big I a deal. And I, I saw I saw a lot of I saw a lot of bad performances out there too. Well, and I don't think I don't think Jeremy Pruitt goes from being the defensive coordinator of a team that won won every ball game they played last year and had had the number one rated defense in the country to not knowing what he's doing. I think he's taking a lot of heat and putting it on himself and keeping it off of the players, which you've got to respect. Absolutely, a whole lot and you know his players that. respect it too. Oh, absolutely. And I think in something like that, it makes you want to try harder, too, when you say, man, this guy ain't throwing us to the wolves. You know, he's taking the heat, and we're out here. We're embarrassing him. 
and we've got to we're do better. Not, right. We've got to do better because because we can't do this. And I mean, and the way we played, the way our linebacking core played, and the way our defensive backs played, it was an embarrassment. And I was glad to hear a coach just just call it plain, pure, and simple. Absolutely, that it was. And in addition and, uh, to that, I'll tell you. In addition to that, the favorite, my favorite thing that he said, I liked how he took responsibility and how he said it was embarrassing. I also, and 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 I, I will be the first to admit that I'm guilty of this. You know, we all focused a lot on the first and goal from the four. You know, the play action, the grounding, the not not no girly, all that stuff. We focused on that a lot. You and I personally, as well as the entire Bulldog universe, you know. And I really like the fact that Pruitt said that he he basically called us out and said, you know what, that that is just the least of our worries, you know. He said, when your team has 450 yards and 35 points on the board. He said, I can't believe the only thing y'all got to complain about is Bobo's play calling on the first and goal from the four. He goes, we got a whole lot of damn bigger problems than working on what Bobo's doing when we, when he scored, when his offense scored 35 points and had 450 yards. Basically saying, you know, they did their damn job. We didn't do our job. You know, again, not just taking the heat off his players, but taking the heat off of Bobo. And yeah. I'm not even saying I agree with it, but I like his style. I mean, that's oh, cool. Do. That's a freaking I mean, he, badass thing to say, man. He's a, he's a stand-up guy, but obviously he did not listen to the dog cast if he thought that was the only thing <laughs> oh, we were complaining exactly. about. Exactly. That was not the only that thing just, we complained that about. Was, that was just one of a myriad of things. And and I will say this, and, and it is interesting to see the different dynamics the coaches have because we've had Coach Rick come out, and say, you know, if I had it to do over, the only person that has not owned up to it and said that probably that play action pass and the play calling we had from the four when you've got the best damn running back in the country was stupid and it shouldn't have been done is the guy that called the play. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd have a lot more respect for Bobo if he said, you know, he said, I, I, I thought it might work, I thought it would be cute, and I thought maybe it would catch him off guard. But in retrospect, I really screwed up. I shouldn't have done it. I've got the best running back in the country, and I should have handed it to him four times because I know Todd Gurley can make a yard. Absolutely. And, and we were four yards away. He could have made a yard each time, and we would have scored. I love it. Now, You're exactly right. And, and, and I'm not – and, I mean, it wasn't like he would have scored with three seconds to go and we would have won the ball game. But it sure would have given us a chance to win it. But the way South Carolina was moving the ball, it could have been just more heartache, too. But there's really no reason to keep rehashing that. No. What's done is done. It's over with. we got to hope that somewhere down the line, South Carolina loses a couple more, and uh, we learn how to play a little bit better defense. I agree. So, Let's throw the show right now. We've got a special report this week from our Dogcast intern, Brazelton Dog, over in uh, Flowery Branch. 
And uh, he's broken down the Troy Trojans and given us a few things about what we need to know, uh, an inside look at the Troy Trojan program, which is 0-3. So we're going to throw it over to our field reporter, Dogcast intern, Brazelton Dog, and uh, listen in on his breakdown of the Troy Trojans. Hey, what's up, Dogcast? This is Brazelton Dog, also known as the Dogcast intern. Hope everybody's having a good week. Here to bring you the scouting report this week on the Troy Trojans of the Sun Belt Conference. To start off, this is a type of game that you can expect to go away from UGA and its football program in the future, especially now with the football playoff system and the way that weighted games mean so much, especially with your non-conference games. But to get back to Troy, Troy Trojans out of South Alabama, Troy, Alabama, Head coach by Larry uh, Larry Blakeney. He's been the head football coach at Troy since 1991. He was actually at Auburn as an assistant before then and then coached high school football from 1970 to 1976 in the Birmingham area. Uh, he guided Troy through its graduation from Division II to 1AA to 1A. And at one point, Troy was kind of an interesting program, kind of like a, a, a Boise State of the South, if you will. And and since then, since really the last time we saw them, we saw them in 2007 in a very uh, a kind of a weird game, really, um, uh, a 44-34 to win back in 2007 where Troy actually threw for 310 yards against us, uh, where Sean Marino had 26 carries, 196 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, since that since that time period, they've kind of really fallen on some hard times. Uh, Coach Blakeney uh, was kind of that program that could kind of sneak up on you, and there were actually some close games. He even beat Missouri and Oklahoma State one year. Um, but since then, they have been basically on the kind of the downturn in the Sun Belt. They're 22 and 30 over the past four years, and guys, really, there's nothing really to say that other than that this program is just really, really in a bad place. Uh, they averaged giving up 40 points. They opened up with UAB and lost 10 to 48. They then hosted Duke and lost 17 to 34. And they recently lost to 1A transition Abilene Christian 35 to 38. This is the same Abilene Christian that opened up college football, I think, on a Wednesday night against Georgia State in the Georgia Dome. And the Georgia State Panthers of Atlanta beat them. So, in sum, Troy is very, very bad. They are averaging 20 points a game. Uh, there are just a lot of things that they struggle at. They really don't do anything well offensively. Um, but in, in, in to sum it up, uh, they're just not. They have struggled. They have struggled hanging on to the football. They've struggled hanging on to the football for time of possession. They've struggled with penalties. They have a ridiculous amount of penalties. And they have really they really have a difficult time stopping anybody on defense. They have kind of been really victimized really by some of the other Sunbelt teams like an Arkansas State and Western Kentucky that kind of came and went have really kind of taken away a lot of those recruits. Um, and uh, you know, it's very interesting kind of where they're at as a program. Uh, quarterback, we're going to see two guys. We're going to see a true freshman named Brandon Silvers. He goes right now for 48 of 72 for 500 yards. He's got one touchdown. Um, and then a junior college All-American, a kid that's five foot eight, 
but he can run around a bunch. He goes right now for 16 for 30, 216 yards. He has no touchdowns or interceptions. Um, so these guys right now, they don't really have an identity on really what they're trying to do. Uh, there are three backs that have over 24 carries apiece. One of them is the freshman quarterback aforementioned, Brandon Silvers. He has 24 carries for 29 yards for an average of 1.2 yards. But he has three touchdowns, so he's probably more of a bigger physical guy facing those tough defenses of Duke and Abilene Christian, I guess. Um, Jordan Chun is a sophomore. He's also uh, kind of their go-to guy. He's good for 25 carries of 78 yards. He has two touchdowns. And Brandon Burks is also 27 carries, 100 yards, uh, one touchdown. There's also a senior, Kerry Franklin, uh, 13 attempts, 62 yards. He has one touchdown. These guys really, really are uh, they're in a bad place. I don't know any other th- other way to say that. But the good news is about their quarterbacks is that they're not going to be standing up in front of student sections saying they should, you know, screaming obscenities and yelling that she should be bleeped in her bleep. So I guess that's good news. That's much better, I guess, than what Florida State could say. I don't know. Um, receivers is where they're going to wind up causing us some issues. They have a lot of them, and they play a lot of them. And uh, clearly we have – some issues defending the forward pass. So uh, this could be kind of this could be interesting. Um, they have a pair of sophomores, Brandon Brooks and Clark Quisenberry. Uh, both have two or three catches for about 30 yards apiece. Um, they have a senior, Ken Derek Dent, who has three catches for 40 yards. K.D. Edenfield, a junior, has six catches for 60 yards. B.J. Chitty, a senior, has eight catches for 70 yards. A freshman, John Johnson, who's a big boy, six foot five, four catches for 70 yards. Brian Holmes has seven catches for 90 yards. And then a, sen- a senior and a junior, Chandler Worthy and Brandon Burks, aforementioned running back, both have 12 catches for a combined 300 yards and one touchdown. They have one touchdown receiving. Um, so I really don't know what to say right there. Um, Tackle-wise, uh, or excuse me, uh, defensively, they, uh, they, they really do struggle. Um, they, their leading tackler is a junior defensive back, Montrez Kitchens. He has 22 tackles on the season. Yes, you heard that. 22 tackles is their leading tackler in three games. 22 tackles in three games against the Dukies and the UAB Blazers and the Abilene Christian, I don't know what they are. Uh, Mark Wilson and Billy Dobbs, two seniors, linebacker and a defensive lineman, uh, both throw off 37 tackles between them. And uh, these guys are these guys definitely are probably in for a very rude awakening. Um, but again, as mentioned, this is a uh, this is a game that you're you're not going to see much of anymore on Georgia's schedule. You're going to see these types of games go away um, against the Sun Belt and so on, and you'll start to kind of see that sharp divide between the haves and the have-nots, the Power Five, and basically the the teams that will play in the bowls. Troy uh, nationally has the 118th best defense in America. Um, they have the second second worst defense in the Sun Belt. They have only Idaho. Yes, Idaho is in their conference. Idaho is has a worst has a worst excuse me defense than they have. Um, Idaho averages giving up forty one and a half points a game, and Troy uh, is giving up forty. So these guys are really really just struggling big time. 
However, all that being said, uh, I wouldn't take the spread. I wouldn't do anything, even though we're favored by 35. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff, so that's exciting. I know we're all oozing with uh, with excitement for that one. And um, you know, right now, right now, and this is this is for both you guys as as a a dog, the Dogcast intern, and also Dogcast listener. Um, you guys need to know, Derek and Old Dog, that you guys represent the two probably most accurate personalities of the Georgia fan. And and that's what makes college football so awesome and so sweet is that you still have the the heritage and the tradition of of what Georgia football is. And I you know, I really enjoy hearing old dog talk about what it was like when he was a student there and talk about the the rivalry and talk about the pageantry and everything else and <clears throat> and and how much he appreciates what Georgia football is. And then you got the new blood, you know, who, who was around a generation after who's that, you know, I, I'm with, I'm with Derek. So I, I err on the side of his optimism more than anything, uh, but I still go back to so many times the simplicity of what old dog talks about of keeping things simple and, and, uh, you know, you guys, you guys are awesome. You guys have the best, uh, the best podcast on, on the web by fans for fans. And uh, you know, as far as everything going down this week with Hudson Mason taking some heat and Coach Bobo taking some heat, hey, here's the deal. Um, you know, you, this is, uh, this is, this is the pinnacle of college football. And as much as as weird as this sounds, I really do think that ESPN wanted us to win that game so bad. So that they could generate something and have a story for somebody coming from the east. I still think we're the beast of the east. I still think it. But yeah, was it a shot to the gut? Yes. And I think as Georgia fans, and I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. I wonder how much we can really keep taking. I mean, in 2007, an old dog says it. I've never forgotten this. We had the best football team in the universe. Did we lose two games? Yes, we did. But I don't think there was anybody in the world that could have beaten us. There was nobody. And and we weren't even in consideration for the national championship because we couldn't even get into the SEC championship. Meanwhile, the next year or the year after that, you know, there was two SEC teams in the national championship. And, you know, we're five yards short of a shot at Notre Dame a very short time ago. And there's just so many things that just have, you keep wondering, you know, how much more can we take (laughs) as fans? And, uh, you know, we all love our dogs and we all love Georgia football. And, uh, you know, not to get off of the uh, scouting report tangent too much, but I know that the Dogcast Nation, if it's like the the, uh, phone calls and everything else and emails and, and Twitter messages, I'm sure everybody's still kind of recovering uh hopefully this is not a trap game. Hopefully you don't look at Troy and you don't say we're still we're already thinking about Tennessee because Tennessee is very important. Tennessee's been playing good football and I have to give it to Tennessee. They're not afraid to schedule anybody. Past couple of years they have had a hellacious hellacious non non uh, conference schedule. They've played Oregon, they have no problem playing Oklahoma. And I would like to I'd like to see that for us. I'd like to see Georgia and kind of get into the mix and play some of those games. I'd like to see us get back to with a home and home of Clemson and make that happen because that's 
You're talking 70 miles. That just doesn't make any sense. So let's flush last Saturday. Columbia is over with. The nightmare in Columbia is over with. Steve Spurrier's our daddy. And, uh, you know, we're moving on from it. You know, is Coach Bobo going to take some heat? Yes. You know, you make uh, half a million dollars a year. You're one of the highest paid offensive coordinators in America. And you're one of the best offensive coordinators in America. And that's why he is who he is and where he is. Um, yeah, Coach, Coach Mark Richt believes in him. He said it. And, uh, you know, he's, he's taken responsibility and ownership of what is being called the call, the September, the call. And, uh, you know, hey, that's, uh, this is the nature of it. And, but the, the true irony of this about the fickle nature of, of football, and Derek was getting into this last week, was that, you know, you, you look at what all the heat he's taken. He was the national offensive coordinator not even two weeks ago after the Clemson game. So, you know, here you go, just a 13-day stretch removed from being the national offensive coordinator of the week to being the guy that everybody's wanting to question. And and I know he got a little a little upset with some reporters, and I just hope he doesn't crack because that's those guys' jobs is to ask stupid questions and get some emotional responses. But um, go dogs! We need to have a good week. We need to uh, we need to get after it and pound that butt and you know beat these South Alabama boys back uh, back to the interstate and let them have a quick ride home and then we'll get focused up on UT. Go dogs! This is Brazelton Dog, the Dogcast intern. Well, there you have it, old dog. Uh, our Dogcast intern breaking down the Troy Trojans, everything you ever wanted to know. And didn't know who to ask. Uh, Dogcast interns got it down for you there. Uh, do you think we're going to be able to take care of the Trojans this weekend? There, there's no doubt about it. And for my friends up in Chicago, I'm even going to put the double jinx on it. We don't even need to show up to win this game. <laughs> if the team, if if the team buses crash, if the team doesn't make it, I think we can pull out about 44 people out of the stands, suit them up, and beat Troy. With the right 44, I think you might be right by that. I got to tell you, old dog, I, you know, we got in trouble. The Cox got it. The Cox, Cox, we got in trouble with Cox last weekend. So maybe Trojans will, if we, if we go with the Trojans this weekend, maybe things are going to work out better for us. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll just leave it. We'll leave it the at that. The greatest bumper sticker of all time. Your Trojans can't hold our cocks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there you go, dog fans. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. We're just kind of messing around. That Not was gonna before be... they made the Magnum, so right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's going to be uh, not, you know, it's it's going to be a game this weekend, guys. It's going to be nice weather. That's what yeah. I think it's going to be great weather. Um, it's going to be a nice game. And, early uh, kickoff, you can get downtown early, start your drinking. Yeah, meet me. at. We'll be at the Last Resort Grill. I'll be at the bar uh, drinking Stella's after the game. So uh, you guys come on down and uh, have some fun in Athens this weekend. Uh, the door to the bunkers right over there next to the uh, to the Ugga graveyard. We're right over there, off the, uh, right underneath where the right there where the trumpeter stands in the north in right the there south the stands. Yeah. You got it, dog fans. Thanks for listening. Oh hey, whoa 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 wait wait wait! I can't wrap this up yet. No, not yet. We didn't even talk about the pool winner. No. You know, I definitely was not the pool winner this week. I have to admit, I didn't even make picks last week. 
that we got away from me, old dog, and I wasn't even able to make my picks. Can you believe that? That, that? is that is scary. I know. So I definitely scary, did not scary win. Very good though. Yeah. And, <laughs> and before you and before you get into the pool, talking about something scary good, the show art. That oh yes. A, Our that, good friend a, Bert Dial. Talk. Tell us about it, old dog. I'll let you well, tell us I'm what just, the show Bert, art is. Bert had gotten an idea, pulled out a picture from a few years back, back when we made the trip out to Arizona, and uh, had the East Coast dogs getting with the West Coast dogs. And Bert is thinking that maybe he's going to put an old dog T-shirt together. Oh, uh, we kind of we kind of stubbed our toe. Couldn't put couldn't put the old dog bobblehead together last year but it'd be interesting to know and i know bert would be interested in it because he might be able to make a dollar or two how many looking at the show art how many people would be interested in getting an old dog t-shirt yeah uh, and, and bert dial you, is pretty excited and old and dog is pretty excited be, and, and we're not going to be producing any smalls <laughs> maybe maybe one medium for for the 12 and under set but we're going to go heavy on extra large and double X. The beefy T, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So even if you don't want one of these shirts, you owe it to yourself to look at the website at dogcast.com and look at this picture. This picture is from when we went to Dogapalooza in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and this is a little shirt idea that one of the great, great listeners, one of the one of our best friends in the show, Burt Dial, Came up with this idea, executed the idea, came up with the artwork, and this is his idea exclusively. And uh, we're just interested to in see what you guys think about it. Check out the the show art. Just go to dogcast.com, and the big picture you're going to see there is Bert's idea for a T-shirt. So um, it's this T-shirt is not even made yet. Okay, it's not even a shirt as it stands. It's just a logo in cyberspace. But but the beauty of it is. If there's enough response to it, it can be turned into a shirt. It could be a t-shirt in a damn hurry. So we'll see what you guys think. <laughs> Meanwhile, our number three, Girly for Heisman t-shirts, are also still for sale. You can scroll down and see a picture of that shirt. Guys, we really appreciate you listening. We appreciate all and, the feedback. And for those of you that are on back order for cups. Hang in there, baby. They're they're coming this weekend. Cups are coming, baby. Cups (laughs) are coming. We've got a bunch of people on back order for cups, but don't let that deter you from ordering some out there, loyal listener. (laughs) Order you some cups, baby. And if you want, get the cup and shirt combo. I'll stuff the shirt down in a cup. I wrap it all up and ship it right out to you. Guys, we really appreciate you listening. By the way, the winner of the pool this week, D Moore 33. D Moore 33, UG. GA, you were the winner. He went eight and four, and uh, I was pretty much O and twelve since I had no picks in, so I did not win. But you kind of um, had a bye week. Yeah, even Mel J. Mel J. struggled this week too, and Mel J. is a beast. Everybody knows. Oh, I it. know it. Mel J. down there in thirty second place, hovering wow. around six and six. Ouch! All right, cool. Melissa, get your stuff together, guys. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We love our listeners. You guys are the best. Go dogs.